What's this? The swear wolves? Sex? Torture? Murder? Sounds great. The Swearwolves Horror Podcast, the podcast that discusses all things horror. I'm Brett. I'm David. I'm Alan. Gentlemen. Yes. How's it going? I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> doing pretty good, too. Yeah. I'm cool in the gang. We're back in uh, my dungeon this week. Mm-hmm. We are not in David's uh, dungeon. We have yet to record from Alan's dungeon. I'm homeless, actually. <laughs> so that's he is not, not gonna, homeless. That's Don't not going to work out too him. well. He is derelict. I'm a traveling man. He is man. a derelict. Mm-hmm. I'm a rambling man. Yeah. A drifter. A drifter. Yeah. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about a filmmaker uh, who is a very polarizing. Vi- a visionary. Yeah. Visionary, but also polarizing, I think. Yeah. Um, he sticks to uh, what his vision is. Yeah. And his vision changes. I will say that, uh, and we'll talk about that in uh, the first movie that we talk about, but we're talking about David Cronenberg. Yeah. Now. He spans a number of genres, mm-hmm. I would say. He does. What are what are some, we're going to be talking about Videodrome and The Fly. What are some other Cronenberg films? You have Scanners. Scanners. Scan- Rabid. Uh, uh, Rabid. Didn't he do Crash? Yes. He did Crash. Dead Ringers uh, is another. Didn't he do um, History of Violence? He did. Did he do Eastern Promises? He did Eastern Promises as well. So he spans also decades. um, Right. Starting in the 70s or 60s, actually, I believe, is like when his first short film was. And he's a very artsy. Naked Lunch is another one. Uh, The Dead Zone. The Dead Zone. Yeah. Dead Zone. Yeah. Uh, Naked Lunch, which is a weird fucking novel, let alone a film. Right. um, Based on uh, William Burroughs' uh, book. Yeah. Uh, Naked Lunch. And he, the thing about Cronenberg is... Right, William Burroughs? I'm yeah. not sure. I'm just thinking of yeah, this. William isn't Burroughs. there a Simpsons episode where Bart goes and sees that movie and he walks in right. and he's like, I can think of two things wrong with the title of that movie. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, Naked Lunch is... Um, it's William Burroughs. Yeah, a, a, a adaptation of William S. Burroughs' uh, 1959 novel. Uh, the thing about Cronenberg to touch up uh, before we get into this episode is that... Uh, he, like you said, Brett, he spans decades, and not only is he influential to a lot of young filmmakers, he's also very influential to his peers. Yeah, uh, and he, his films are very groundbreaking. Uh, the Fly, which we'll get into, was a very big commercial success, but his other films, although maybe not maybe commercial, Dead Zone was more commercial, sure. but yeah, everything yeah. else, a lot of his films, smaller, yeah, although not commercial successes, uh, they had a very lasting impact and a lot of critical acclaim. 
Yeah, and and some of them have become cult films. Uh, Naked Lunch, for example, or Videodrome, I right. would consider a, a cult film. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So let's 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 delve into Videodrome now. Before we get started, I want to explain something to people that, um, and and I don't know if you guys know this actually. Um, Cronenberg is from Canada, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a Canadian film. Mm-hmm. Now, in Canada, in the eighties, there was a new like tax law and the new tax law was saying that people could donate money to a film and get a tax write-off for Mm -hmm. that so small businesses including doctors and especially dentists Mm -hmm. and i know sam raimi financed uh evil dead by going to a bunch of dentists and getting money donated that's awesome it is if you've ever read read um bruce campbell's book uh if chins could kill uh he talks about that but um Cronenberg specifically also went to uh, dentists and stuff. And to get this tax write-off, they would have to um, donate money. And the film would have to start primary principal photography within that tax year. And so that's what happened with Videodrome. So Cronenberg had a basic outline of a script and he had a basic script right um he started filming this movie he got the financing he had to start filming it before december ended yeah uh, he had close to a six million dollar budget uh was that what it was yeah and uh he had to start principal photography and he did but as the film went on he reshot some stuff shot some stuff multiple times sure. and then went back and that was all okay with the tax law as long as principal photography started in in mm. the year that the money was donated then they could get the write off so he had to start it right away and he didn't even know how the movie was going to end <laughs> sure. that's, that's pretty and cool and then and then when the movie showed to audiences they didn't like certain things right so he went back and reshot um the ending and he redid a bunch of stuff Mm. so the film itself wasn't really set in stone Mm. when he started it it's kind of fun so i want to preface that (laughs) before we get into everything because i think that makes a little bit of sense when you watch this film um videodrome oh where do i start on this one (laughs) this movie civic uh, tv (laughs) this movie stars james woods right um, who we've already talked about in our vampire John Carpenter's vampires yeah. episode, mm-hmm. and we've already established is a fucking asshole uh, in real life. Yeah, but um, <laughs> Debbie it al- Harry. It also stars Debbie Harry, yeah. um, who you might. But know. it wasn't always like that. Blondie. Um, yes, uh, you might know her as the lead singer of Blondie, and uh, this movie is a. So you have James Woods. Yeah. He plays Max Wren. He's a president of Civic TV. It's a television station in Toronto. It's kind of a sleazy it, yeah, they station. S- they specialize. Yeah, we don't we don't we yeah. don't specify what year this is. Specific. It's early eighties. It's eighty three. Well, yeah, but it's kind of like in this like anything goes alternate universe kind of thing. Yeah, like they can show whatever they want on this. Yeah, he's TV kind of a provocateur. Sure. Well, he's, yeah, he's small market. So a lot of these small market stations to actually give a little background. When I was uh, living in my late grandfather's house, I picked up a lot of stations with the antenna. And there were stations late at night. They showed nudity. Really? Yeah. There were movies and they showed nudity. And it, there was no regulation. So you only had PBS so, for that. <laughs> so so this this isn't too far-fetched. Yeah. Um, this was common, especially with late night uh, almost pirate television. Yeah, that's what I would kind of equate yeah. it to. Was right. like so a, this wasn't too far off to reality. 
as but, far as the the setting. Yeah, but this Max Ren character of James Woods, he's always looking for something more provocative. Than sure. Yeah, what's thing. the sure. next big thing to push the yeah. envelope? Yeah, yeah. And he's got different people working for him that'll yeah. bring him like artsy projects. Like yeah. there's that old lady. Um, who comes to him and she's mm-hmm. like an artist and she's like, this is what I got. And it's yeah. basically all softcore porn. Yeah. Masha, I think is her name. Yeah, yeah. Masha. Yeah. And she brings him like artistic softcore porn, you know, yeah. Caligula type shit. He's always looking for the next big thing. Yeah. And so he's got a friend who is like, works uh, within the same company, works within the same company. He's like a computer guy or a video guy. And he deco descrambles yeah. a scrambled signal yeah. of something called the video drone. Yeah. So this character's name is Harlan and he operates uh, basically civic TV satellite. He can intercept broadcasts as far as, as far away as Asia. And uh, he picks up video drone and uh, immediately Max Ren is fascinated by he it. He says, where's it coming from? He says, Malaysia. Malaysia. Yeah. yeah. And uh, basically what it is, is torture porn. Yeah. yeah. Torture and they even uh, reference murder too. Yeah. It's, it's all pretty similar. Like there's like an orange background or something. And yeah. it's basically a person being kind of chained and, or beaten. And it's never a perfect signal. It's always distorted. And, yeah. you know, he's he becomes obsessed with it and he tries to see if they can pick it up. Yeah. And, and maintain So he tasks this guy. He's like, find out where it comes from. I want this show right yeah and in the meantime he uh max ren is a guest on a talk, talk show, show and he meets debbie harry who is a radio uh, a dj right dj yeah. like a like a talk radio right show yeah. It's like she, a she's a, yeah she's yeah. a psychiatrist on the radio show she got issues though yeah and there's another guest on the show who is only on a television mm-hmm. and that's brian oblivion, brian oblivion yeah yeah and he is talking about mm-hmm. like the downfall of TV. Yeah. And he'll only make appearances on show on screen. Like he on won't screen. actually be on the stage. Yeah. Like you have to show a TV screen with on me screen talking. on screen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he has to be on a TV mm-hmm. if he's going to be on TV. And Brian mm-hmm. Oblivion is a pop culture analyst and a philosopher. And so uh, Max Ren's like, hey, "Listen, I do what I do." There's a lot of smoking in this movie, by the way. There's yeah. so yeah, much yeah, smoking. I love it. Like it makes, <laughs> it makes Stranger Things three look like an anti-smoking ad. Like they smoke so much in this. There's movie. a lot of cigarette smoking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, Max Ren's like hitting on Debbie Harry, and yeah. he's like, whatever, Brian Oblivion. Yeah, because like he, she's kind of like telling him you're a provocateur or whatever, and he's like, well, right. why why are you wearing that dress? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of creepy, James Woods. Yeah, he's kind of sleazy. Yeah. I think that's just James Woods. Yeah. yeah. And Debbie Harry was like, well, I'm wearing this dress. You're absolutely and, right. And yeah. it really added to the character too because max ren the character is very sleazy yeah, and he and asks her out immediately, asks her like out immediately. on air yeah like, and, yeah. It, and it's all it's almost a little surreal element to it and we'll get into that much later but uh well it starts off that yeah way. so he asks her out and she kind of like disses him but then he goes to her radio station yeah. well and even before that one thing just real quick uh, the brian oblivion character right this one is of the important things he hypothesizes and i thought yes. it was very interesting was yes. that one day we'll all basically have fake lives and fake names uh, yeah, he, and which to me is very internet, very Twitter, like very social media. Yeah. Dave, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's a very important scene. Uh, obviously, Max Ren is flirting with Nikki, and you know that kind of distracts a little bit. But if you really watch this film, you notice what uh, Oblivion says, and like you said, he prophesizes uh, a future where television replaces real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like t- like TV is more real than reality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> So Max and Nikki start dating. So Max goes and meets up with Nikki at yeah. the radio station and he takes her out and uh, they 
get together and he shows her Videodrome. Mm-hmm. And, and she's fascinated. Yeah, by it. she gets off on it. She's she's very much a pain like she's a masochist. Kind of a yeah, yeah, yeah. And she likes she burns she's like herself, puts cigarettes out on yeah. herself and stuff. Yeah. And she doesn't is, he pierce her ear with a needle? Yeah, yeah. and a cork. He like does yeah, that whole yeah. uh, thing. Uh, so they they fuck. <laughs> and uh, they watch Videodrome, and she's like, this is awesome. I want to audition to be on this show, yeah. and yada, yada, yada. We she also says, find out that Videodrome is not being broadcast from Malaysia. It's coming from Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so she says... This is according to... Um, Harlan. Harlan. And right. so she says to uh, Max, she's like, hey, I got a conference I got to go to for the radio station. It's in Pittsburgh. And he's like, yeah, so... And she's like, while I'm there, I'm going to audition for... For video uh, drum, and he's like, "All right, cool, whatever." Yeah, uh, you're a freak. That's cool. Just come back. Cause, well, no, he's kind oh. of against it. He's like, "No, no, you don't do that." These people are like, I think there's they're more, pretty sick. And, like, yeah, he's just like, "I don't want you doing that." Because he, and, you know, he's a slime ball, but he also cares about her. Yeah, yeah. So then, some weird shit starts yeah. happening. To and Max. she goes off to Pittsburgh. Yeah, she, it's she's implied. gone. She's gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she comes back later on, but it's spoiler alert. It's yeah. just through TV. Like he just sees yeah. visions of her. Well, and that's where we start getting into this. So Max starts seeing some weird shit. Yeah. He's kind of hallucinating. Yeah. yeah. And he gets a um, a stomach vagina, mm. <laughs> like right around this point. And that's what yeah. it's been called. Like when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's a stomach vagina. And then I looked it up online and someone was calling it yeah. a stomach vagina. Yeah. So it's been called that plenty right. of times. And it looks What's like the clinical a term. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a. It's a tummy snatch, I yeah. think. Is the <laughs> a tummy thing. snatch. And, yeah. and there's, it's, it's at this point in the movie, there's another important scene. He Billy me- Cooch. <laughs> he meets up with Masha, who's the softcore pornographer that contributes to the station. That's right. That's and right. And he, he wants to know more about Videodrome. And she warns him. That, don't get involved. Uh, She's like, don't get involved. It's snuff. Yeah. Well, she says, not only is it real, it's not faked. It's real. Uh, but it's also there's something more behind it than meets the eye. Now I want to ask you guys a question. We've talked about this um, in a podcast before. Uh, was this before or after Faces of Death? First Faces of Death was '78. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. First Faces of Death. Now, if you guys remember when, well, at least when I it was, was a shocking kid, for the time. When I was a kid, it was like Faces of Death. Have you seen Faces? It's of Death? real. It's real. Yeah. That's and then you I watch it. It's not real. Yeah. But. Uh, well, it's also after, um, not Green Inferno, um, uh, Cannibal, Cannibal Holocaust, Holocaust oh, yeah. Yeah. which was promoted which as stuff. kind of like... Uh, and it took off from there. But it had real animal torture Real and animal stuff. torture yeah. and stuff. So people would watch that kind of shit. So this movie, uh, what Cronenberg's it saying in this that. movie yeah. is basically like, <laughs> people want to watch snuff films. They want to mm-hmm. watch real films because they're getting desensitized get, yeah. to all this... Um, fake shit mm. and we need to make more realistic stuff yeah and so um you know i know we're not at at, at a review yet but that's kind of the message that's being broadcast yeah. here and uh this character of um uh, what's her name Ma- um masha. masha masha the old lady is basically saying like masha, look masha, masha. you don't <laughs> you don't want to get involved in this stuff yeah and yeah and and right he wants there, a name Max. like i need to know sure like, who's make like who who can yeah. i talk to about this max is pushing it and masha gives in she's like okay and he's like you tell me i'll take a shower with you yeah, yeah. she's like, like oh, okay you. oblivion knows she's like you're too old for me yeah. <laughs> she's like oblivion knows about videodrome so go see him so he goes to see o- brian oblivion and he it, he's at like this um homeless it's a, it's shelter. A shelter yeah 
and, yeah, and there's kind of these makeshift cubicles everywhere of like yeah. homeless people well, watching called the, the TV. cathode ray yeah, yeah. which yeah. we know because we're video game guys yeah. Yeah. cathode ray tubes tube. are crts yeah and this shelter is run by bianca oblivion's daughter yeah mm-hmm. so uh this cathode ray i just when i saw that i was like oh okay so mm-hmm. cathode ray for those of you who don't know means crt yeah um and that's like your old school televisions nowadays we have leds or lcd televisions um high def flat, flat screens. screens but back in the day if you guys remember your parents or watching you the tube had a tube television yeah. and that yeah. was a cathode ray yeah. boob tube um and that's how the scan lines would come across and everything uh, like I said, video game guys know because we're always on the hunt for CRT monitors because that's the best way to play video games. So anyway, that was the name of the shelter. And so in each one of these cubicles, they have televisions that they're all watching. And they're yeah. using that to, under the guise of saying, hey, we're making these guys better by acclimating them to yeah. certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's, be, it's by design. It's yeah. by the design of Oblivion's vision where television replaces everyday life. You don't need anything else but television. Yeah. And so Bianca is Oblivion's daughter and uh, James Woods, Max goes up to her and he's like, I want to meet Brian uh, Oblivion. And she literally gives him some tapes. And well, like, she's like, is, he's not here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I want to know about Videodrome. Yeah. yeah. And this so is, she, this is what you need to know. And she, he lives on through videotapes. Yep. And so she, he, he might talk to him through the television at one point, but he gets a videotape and the videotape starts breathing at him. Right. And the, and then he, yeah, the TV kind of pulsates and like, Max um, goes home and gets some vein. The television starts pulsing and getting some veins and he's got the vagina and, and he, he takes a gun out and he's looking at it and, and he sticks yeah. the gun in his the, the hallucinations snatch. really yeah. pick up his, his torso transforms into a like a vh a vcr yeah, and he sees and he sees nikki who's uh debbie harry like her lips like come out of the tv yeah and it's just yeah she comes out of the television like she's like come it's pretty, to like, me max it's pretty cool like she put it like yeah. pushes against the glass and it so comes out really really cool it's effects. kind of friday the th- or uh nightmare, nightmare on elm street, street. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or like if you go to like target or uh oh yeah every halloween they always have those like props were like yeah. tv like stretches it, it, yeah. it did the same effects yeah. before nightmare on elm street was even a thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah think well elm street that's no, true no, elm street no. was 84 this was 83 84 yeah, right. okay, yeah. yeah this was 83 point. so it, yeah. it was way before all those effects in the catch, later Alan. sequels yeah yeah and that probably wasn't until elm street two or three no three three three, three. three. Yeah, yeah so that and, was like 87 max kind of sure. buries his own face into the tv like he goes, oh there's he goes, all kinds he goes making out with it yeah there this there's so many surreal moments it's a cool shot you don't know what you're seeing through his eyes. You're seeing through the eyes of someone hallucinating. Yeah, you don't know what is real and what isn't. Right. And By the way, James Woods had to undergo eight hours of standing to get the makeup on. That's oh, not including wow. filming. Yeah, to get the appliance for his stomach. I, I gotta when say, when they filmed, yeah. uh, one, I don't know what specific shot it was, but there was a shot where it was the stomach, vagina, and everything, and he had to stand. Right. For eight hours, well, they put the makeup on him, and then he had to shoot for however long after that. Yeah. So that must have been. That's a bummer. Yeah. I mean, he deserves it. He could have happened to a nicer guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Fuck James Woods. Fuck him so, in his ass. Man. So we come to realize uh, in the year before his death, Oblivion recorded tens of thousands of videos, a ton of videos. Oh, well, real quick. And it's we yeah. find out that Oblivion's dead. He's, yeah. he's dead. All right. He died which, of a brain so that's, tumor. Yeah. Which leads me to believe is like, how did his recording talk to the talk show host? And, and well, 
Yeah. They do kind of explain, like, he had a bunch of tapes recorded for, like, almost any type of right. question or scenario. It, you got to suspend your disbelief a little bit. You got to suspend your disbelief. I did the same thing. Right. I was like, mm, you have to suspend your disbelief. a little far-fetched. You, okay, okay. No, you have to put, you have to suspend your disbelief, and mm-hmm. you have to think about what this movie is telling you. It's telling you, okay, yeah. Brian Oblivion lived. Was a visionary. He was a visionary, but not only that, he lived through video he lived through television so that's the point that the movie is trying to make i know it sounds far-fetched yeah but this guy well and oblivion's atten- intentions weren't bad they weren't um, but they he weren't was mixed, bad but he was mixed up with the wrong people sure yeah. they weren't bad well he also yeah. got caught up in the videodrome yeah right and that's what ultimately up. led yes. him to get the brain tumor yeah, so we find out videodrome actually induces a brain tumor that yeah. causes the hallucinations and ultimately kills you yes yeah he was ultimately killed because he saw the bad side of Videodrome. Yeah. So we find out now that there is a guy who owns like a glasses store. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> Mr. Lenscrafter. Yeah, Mr. Lenscrafter. Yeah. Very convex. And he, convex, that's yeah. his name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, lenses, yeah. convex. Um, anyway, so he goes there and this guy is like the... Like the head of Videodrome. Yeah, basically. they're actually they're a front for a weapons manufacturer too. And the guy who was helping him, uh, helping Max in the satellite feed, is an employee of this Barry Convex. Yeah, and spectacular he, optical. There was the no, there was no signal. Yeah. It was all stuff that they purposely yeah. showed James Woods to yeah. get him involved in Videodrome mm-hmm. and right. to get him brainwashed yeah. by Videodrome. To get him to be like the fucking Manchurian candidate. Yeah. Yeah, to broadcast this and bring it right. to the world. And so, also to get him to be submissive under him. Yep. That he would do. Do their bidding. Yeah. It's at this point in the film, you start to pick up on the conspiracy yep. element of the film. So you got that side. So you got the Videodrome side, which is the uh, lens crafter guy. Yeah, and that guy also, doesn't he put a helmet on him? He's like, hey, this will actually record your hallucinations. I want to help you. I need to see what's going on. But ultimately, it creates brain brain tumors. It creates tumors inside your body. Yeah, so they trick him. So Max is now uh, submitted to the Videodrome people, which is the lens crafter guy and the um, satellite guy and this whole like front for, for weapons, right? And then there's, so he gets his mission, well, he has to go kill his partners at, uh, at Civic the, TV, at Civic TV, yeah. which he does. And like I said, Manchurian Candidate, he just goes there, pulls out the gun, which is now molded to his hand. Yeah, it's, yeah. We don't know if it's real or fake. We don't know if it's a hallucination. Yeah. It's like a monster handgun. And she attempts to murder Bianca. And then he's sent to murder Bianca, but Bianca intercepts him and is like, hmm, watch this. Yeah. And so he watches something else. And it's Nikki. And it's Nikki. Yeah. And he, get, he gets out of the She reprograms him, basically. Yeah. And he gets programmed to her. Yeah. yeah. So now you got two sides fighting against you. Yeah. I was telling my wife about this because she was like, and and I'll get into this in a little bit, but she's like, this is a very like complicated movie to understand. It's very surreal. And yeah. she's like, I don't even know. And I go, well, there's a good side and a bad side. Right. But they're both using the same technology right to fight their battles right. so it's like almost like who is good and who is bad because yeah. they're both using people yeah mm-hmm. and and i want to follow with what you're saying this there's a really deep i don't know if it's a meaning or what to this film but you're saying that there's two sides and you have the civic tv people who they just want to show 
what people want to see. Well, that's kind of the third side, yeah. right? Because there's the civic TV people who are just like, we're out there to get money. We just want provocative programming. Yeah. But they want to show what people want to see. Yep. And then you and got then the... You have Videodrome. They want to control... You got, you got two sides with an agenda. And then you got right. the Bianca and the Brian um, Oblivion side, which is like, we want to control people against... They want to like control people to rise up against. Yeah, they're and using the video, they're using Videodrome in an evil way. I almost feel like it's like they're a, both using a, kind of a commentary on like far right and far left wing uh, exactly media right. of and like if depending on which one you watch, and this you movie be fully convinced this movie that the other one 19, is, is evil. And this movie still applies. to Oh, me. absolutely! It's my favorite thing about this movie. Is yes, like, this movie is very timely. Yeah, David so, Cronenberg was way ahead of his time. Well, we'll get to that. Let's sure, let's sure. let's kind of let's kind of wrap things up a little bit because right. we're nearing the end. Right. So she repro programs them to turn against video he goes back to the videodrome lens crafter store yeah and he, <laughs> he kills uh, harlan and convex he kills them and they die in some weird fucking ways and i don't know if it's real or if it's what he's seeing but everybody yeah. seems to freak out around but it was him. awesome it was because you see the tumors exposed oh yeah. man it was pretty awesome yeah and then he goes to like this he's uh, trying to hide dock out. yeah this bay this old boat and he goes into this boat and he sees uh, um, Blondie again on the on the TV. There's yep. another TV. Yep. And she's like, this is how it's going to end. And she shows him a video, a video of himself killing yeah. himself. Killing himself. Yeah. She's, she tells him in order to come in, in order to defeat Videodrome. This is what you have, you to, have to reach the next level and leave the old flesh. And basically, yeah, leave the old flesh and become one. With the new, yeah, the new flesh. The and new then flesh. she sees a video, or he sees a video, and there's a fire in the background, yeah. and like he kills himself. And yeah. then, and then we see him in real life. And he says, "Long live the new flesh." And he does exactly what happened in the video, and he kills himself. And it cuts to black. And it cuts to black. Okay, yeah. that's the movie. That's the movie. Okay. It's a very complicated movie. Um, so I'm going to preface. It is and it isn't. Well, I'm going to preface my review by saying, watch this movie regardless of what anybody says. In in this, I think people need to watch this movie because you really need to see it in order to understand it. Yeah. And it even digs, after watching deep, I don't even know if you'll fully understand it. Cause I didn't, I had to, I had to do a little bit more research and, and I was waiting to talk to you guys about this before I gave it my final review. Yeah. Um, David, you mentioned it's very, um, right. Extremist, left extremist, and I think that's the thing that I, the message that I get yeah. out of this film, is you got the left and you got the right, and which one is right depends on your perspective, right? I would agree because in my, in my opinion, the bad guys are the right wing people. Exactly, and mine too. <laughs> but from someone else's perspective, the bad guys are these people. Yeah, and there's Antifa on this side, and there's fucking uh, <laughs> the fucking whatever alt-right on this side and so you have like this weird dichotomy but then you got the people stuck in the middle who are like we just want to live our lives yeah and that's kind of where max wren comes i just in. want to watch porn sure. <laughs> just want to watch porn <laughs> sure and that's no, yeah. where this character comes in and yeah. he's being used by both against each right. other and these people that are in the middle are being used by this right in nowadays time by these media outlets, yeah. not mainstream media. Brett, I think you're nailing it right now. And I don't even think it's mainstream media. I think it's just media in general, whether it be Facebook or Twitter or exactly. Fucking, That's the social media episode or, or uh, element of like Twitter and I'm, Facebook. I'm and, glad you really watched this. Yeah, movie. and I think that I think what Cronenberg does in this film wasn't appreciated in 1982 or 83 whenever people were watching this because yes it was a year before quote unquote 1984 big brother george orwell 
But we hadn't gotten to that point where social media, right? We were still 25, 30 years away oh, from oh, getting yeah, to yes. that. Oh, yeah. Yes. At least now a we're at a point. Of decades. Now we're at a point where we can watch this film and go, you know what? This is, this is fucked up. Yeah. And we all live lives online under al- alternative names. We all live lives online. Uh, my wife and I were talking about this last night to where you see people that you know. My wife knows this couple who she knows they're having fucking problems, marital problems. Mm-hmm. She knows they fucking hate each other. They are a certain way. And online, if you saw them, you'd think they were the fucking Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. They're all this happy fucking Ward and June Cleaver. Um but behind the scenes, they live a whole different life. Right. And that's what the internet allows people to do. It gives people bravery because behind a Twitter handle, they can tell someone to fuck off. Whereas in person, they would never say that. Yep. Behind a Twitter handle, they can they can say that they're for this. But meanwhile, they go into the voting booth and they click a different mm-hmm. thing. So or they can even be a different person, have a completely different face. They can catfish people. Yep. Yeah. Um, so there's all this stuff. And these are all elements that I think feed into what Cronenberg's talking about in this yep. film. Agreed. So that being said, like, again, my, my, my view on this film is evolving as I talk about it. Because, <laughs> sure. And as I talk to you guys about it, because there's, I, there's I more haven't than talked about this film. There's more than meets the yeah. eye to it. The special effects, if we can talk about the special effects for a minute. Of course. They were fucking phenomenal. And didn't Rick Baker oversee it, right? I believe... I think it was Rick Baker. I don't know that one. I don't know who did him, but uh, we can look that up. But they're up. very good. But the special the effects were phenomenal. The makeup's cool, like all the and TV as, stuff. As much as I want to say James Woods is an asshole, he does great. He does a very good and job. And James Woods movie. is a good actor. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to take that away from him. No, and I, 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 I just, I just want to interject really quick. You know, obviously there's... A political side to people some people you know but um i love this performance by james Bro- or uh, james, james wood excuse me uh you know where i can overlook whatever his views are yeah you know and i don't know if he was that way back then who knows but, and who uh, cares really yeah, because sure. like there's a lot of matter. actors sure. in hollywood that i don't agree with uh on a personal level but um i can watch their films and be like that's a fucking good film i'll give you an yeah. example Apocalypto is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a great movie. And Mel Gibson made that movie. Sure. And Mel Gibson (laughs) is a fucking asshole. But But I love Apocalypto. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. It's very cool. Um, And and just to confirm really quick, yes, Rick Baker was the uh, visual effects designer. And I want to say that Rick Baker, they said, he said, I need six months to do these special effects. And they're like, you have two. (laughs) And he was like, all right. And he right. did them. And it fucking... I'm going to make awesome. the best belly veg you've ever only, seen. Not only did Rick Baker have to do the effects, but there also had to be visual... Uh, like, uh, not computer-generated images, but visual effects sure. outside of practical yeah. effects, yeah. like with the TV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they had to do... They used um, the canvas or something, you know. They, they had to uh, rear projection, right. that whole TV shit. Yeah. It was very creative. So, regardless, this movie means a lot more in 2019 than it did in 1983. And I think people need to watch it. Yeah. I am going to give it a four. Four, okay. I Boom. went up. I went up one whole point in our conversation. Nice. By the way, very cool. Uh, I give this movie a four as well. Um, nice. <laughs> We're on the same page. Oh. Um, I think, yeah. To your point, I think this movie is so timely, and I think is even more relevant today than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it deserves more than one watching too. By the it way, it does. And I've seen this movie a few times. And uh, this time was the most I've enjoyed it. I, I, I was like, oh, wow. Especially yeah. just living in the world we live today. Yeah. By the way, I want to just interject yeah, yeah. one thing. I've only seen this movie once. Really? This was the nice. first time. So okay. go ahead. Nice. Okay. 
And I, I think the first time for me was probably 10, 15 years ago. Um, but uh, another thing too, so I like all the things you liked. I thought all the effects were cool. All the mind trippy, like hallucination stuff was cool. I think the performances were great. And Debbie Harry, how about Debbie, her? She does a really good job in this sure. movie. Yeah. Um, as our regular listeners know, I'm a big Nine Inch Nails fan. Um, there's a Nine Inch Nails song called The New Flesh, which is a nod to this movie. Um, another thing that got me kind of thinking about Nine Inch Nails was there's an album by them called Year Zero, which is an album that came out maybe 2007, but it has something similar, like where if you listen to that album today, it actually makes even more sense now. You're yeah. like, oh, this is this is the world that was envisioned or prophesized on this album, and here we are. And uh, this movie had a lot of year zero to it that I was like, okay, like, yeah, th- this is this is the world we live in, and, yeah. and it blows. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think this movie is awesome. Um, it, but the, the world doesn't blow. No. The world is good. There's hope. Uh, yeah. There's a new hope. I, but, but four for me. <laughs> I had seen, I had first seen this movie, uh, I think uh, maybe I was in my mid-20s, but uh, obviously I, I've seen it recently, and uh, it means more as I get older than it did when I was younger. Um, I can't think of any other movie that was so critically acclaimed, but was a, um, a commercial failure. This was a commercial failure. Yes, it was. Uh, but it was so critically acclaimed. Um, you really have to be, uh, open-minded to this movie and, uh, really give it your full attention. And watch it more than once. Uh, and watch it more than once. But, yeah. you know, on that initial viewing, if you really give it the attention that it deserves, um, it really opens up as something more than just, you know, a sci-fi horror film. And there's some mystery to it. Uh, there's elements of deception and mind control and conspiracy. And it has so much going on. You really have to watch with an open mind to pick up on every element that this film has to offer and that uh, Cronenberg... Uh, poured into this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say really quick, the music by Howard Shore was perfect. It wasn't over the top or or in your face. Uh, it really added to a lot of the scenes. It was Howard very, Shore's a badass. Yeah, it was very subtle and it was very, you know, it didn't steal the scene. It was very subtle because like, I don't remember, and we'll talk about The Fly and right. I remember music from that movie. Howard Shore right. did that score as well. Um, right. uh, Shore also did the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie, I didn't really, I wasn't focused on it. It, it didn't it was take a, anything away. It was a big part of the movie in that it wasn't it was it was subtle it was very subtle but it was very important so the way it worked is he would have just a very dramatic orchestral orchestral music and then he would incorporate electronic and that was a big part of the movie the electronic instrumentation and they blended so well together and they it was by such design and by such intelligence that Mm-hmm. I I can't compare to any other movie, and there's What's a that, lot. What, of, what is real and what is synthetic, right? And there's a lot of great movies where you know they blend the music and the film perfectly. But this is one of the great examples of this method. Mm. Uh, so Howard Shore did a fantastic job. Um, this movie, uh, it it it's classified as techno surrealism, and there's a lot of surrealism in this movie. Uh, I didn't mind so much. Uh, you know, the blurred lines of hallucination reality. I only wish that they had given a little more clarity 
to what was going on, but I was okay with it. I, I picked it up well enough, but I wanted to see a little more. I kind of wanted to know what happened to Debbie Harry. Sure. And I'm going to tell you how the extraction went down. And that brings me to my next point. I wanted to see so much more of Nikki. I think she was as great as James Wood is, Woods is in this film. I thought Nikki stole the movie with what limited screen time that Debbie Harry had. I thought Nikki is the character of the movie. I wanted to see more of her. Yeah. She was just so yeah. fascinating and she was so different than what uh female actresses in 80s movies were at the time. She was just from another planet. Yeah, she was, she was who she was. She, she was so fascinating. And so it felt so real. And, and so she was authentic. always in control too. It, yeah, herself. she was in control despite Videodrome ultimately getting her. Over. Yeah, but uh, I or, just want to see. Or was she even real? Like he had already watched video. Yeah, yeah. Started that's another thing. You can watch this movie in so many yeah, different was she, ways. Was she just a device she to a get him to? Was she a device? Was yeah. she a hallucination? So, so there's so many things to get out of this movie. And and I wish I had done a little more research about what Cronenberg ultimately intended. Well, if I could chime in real quick, and I'll yeah. interrupt, but um, I think an element of this movie that's very interesting, and we kind of touched on it earlier, is the thirst for violence that we have as people. That we, oh yeah, you know, you see it like on social media, like people posting photos of people beating the shit out of each other, and like for entertainment, we watch it, and people make funny jokes and memes yeah. about it. Um, you know, I mentioned the Nine Inch Nails Year Zero album. There's a lyric in a song called Survivalism that says, I've got my violence and high def ultra realism. And it's well, kind of the same thing of like, I can just turn on the TV and watch Carnage. Well, yeah. when that when that Nine Inch Nails album came out, it was probably right around the same time that we were getting exposed to the beheading of that reporter yep. in fucking yeah. Iran. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, I remember that making the rounds. Like, I'm not going to fucking watch I that. I never well, watched it. Disgusting. But here's, Fuck the, that here's shit. the thing. Did it really happen? Is it real? Well, see, they, well, I did watch this Saddam Hussein execution, though. So there's there's things like that where but, it's like, but again, like, like we don't even, know. They even they even um, filmed or there's photographs of the people that were charged with Abraham Lincoln's assassination, right? Mm-hmm. So because there was a group of them that conspired, it wasn't yeah. just John Wilkes Booth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was like a bunch of them, including a female, that got hanged, and they took a photograph of that. Yeah. So, like, we've been photographing like violence and death and um, uh, murder. Uh, granted, these were people that were hanged for killing the president. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. but you're also talking a generation. Cronenberg's uh, from the generation that witnessed uh, their president get killed yeah. on yeah. television, and then yeah. witnessed the guy who killed the president getting killed yeah. live on sure. television. There's the sure. uh, <laughs> so sure, I mean sure sure sure. You know, Ra- Rage Against the Machine is another band that's really good at like kind of capturing that of you know one of their lyrics about you know the thin line between entertainment and war. Oh, I think you guys may understand this, and uh, well, I'll, I'll get to my. I'm, I'm going to rate it right now. I give it four and a half. Um, I really want to give it a five, but uh, you know, there's just some things I want a little more clarity. I want a little more Nikki, but. Um, I give it four and a half. What's that song by Prince? Oh, oh Darling Nikki? <laughs> Darling Nikki. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Nikki's the character's name. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so but, but here, here's the thing, and I think you guys may understand this as well, is, and I'll, I'll leave you with this. This is what I'm going to say finally. Okay. Uh, you know, despite your favorite TV shows, despite all, this, all the content on streaming uh, outlets and that sort of thing, Ultimately, it's not our choice. Mm. Ultimately, everything that we view is by the choice of someone else. 
So that's something to think about. That is something to think about. You know, well, you, but you can make the choice of what you choose to. Oh, again. of course. But ultimately, Watch. what is presented oh, is yeah. not our choice. Well, well and, and to Alan's point here, and, and you know, we could we could discuss that for probably days, yeah. if not weeks. Well, and if you're weak minded too, you can take anything you watch at face value and uh, assume it is fact. Yes, that's mm. true too. But yeah. but to Alan's point, like when you go to if you're on Facebook, and Alan, I know you're not, but David and I are. And if you go on Facebook, yeah, you I'm not see, big on social media. You see a bunch of stuff that's catered to what you've clicked on in the past, and yeah. you see stuff that you're like, oh, I was just talking about sure. buying a new dog food dish, yeah. and here it is. Yep, presented to me on my Amazon uh, feed or whatever yeah. like that. On, on it's like, it's like were they listening? To confirmation me? bias or did what I click on lead them or lead me to start talking about it? You know either, what I'm saying? Either like, way, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a yeah. it's a weird scenario, and we've all had those scenarios. And either way, you're being monitored and you're being watched. It's either I'm being monitored or I'm being led. Right? Mm-hmm. It's either sure. I'm being I have a leash on me and they're leading me to this. It's a type and of, I talk about it yeah. and then I see it, or they're monitoring me. And either it's way, a type I don't of give control. a shit. But the the point is is that this movie tra- this movie the reason why it was a commercial failure mm-hmm. was because in 1983 we weren't going through what we are now right uh, that's yeah. a good, that's a and, good point and that's, that's point. why this movie it averages a what a 4.13 4.167 okay 4.167 mm-hmm. so we'll we'll call it a little bit better than a 4 and from all of us, we all gave it a similar rating. Yeah. And I think we all are aware of what the fuck is going on in this world. And this movie, oh, God. This movie just is so deep yeah. that we can't even talk about it because it like, just keeps leading me into different and, thoughts. And you know what? <laughs> and, and despite the message and the theme and what, you know, Cronenberg, what he's trying to um, send as a message... Um, on its own, it's a great film. I think it's still a great film. Oh yeah. Well, but I love the effects. I love the music. Here's my thing about it. Yeah. Before we sat down to talk, I was pretty much going to give it a two and a half or a three. Mm. But you started thinking about it. The more we talk, but that's why I never set my ratings in stone. Like I never rate a film. Mm. Like I never write down oh, what I'm going to write. I think I told you guys before. I always write down two numbers. It's somewhere yeah. between this no. and this, I, and, then, I, and then our discussion lets me decide. See, that, that's where I'm different <laughs> from you guys. I know how I feel about it, and I go in. But see, I don't always because I like I like you like hearing, the discussion. I like hearing what you guys have to say about stuff. It opens your eyes. This film in particular, I watched and I was like. I have no fucking idea. A lot of times, you know, mm. we had that demons episode where we kind of argued, but we did. <laughs> we had that episode and I knew that I was going to rate it a lower rating. Mm-hmm. And I still listened to certain things about that, but I still was like, mm, no, I'm going to go can't this way. You gave it a one and a half. <laughs> I can't either. I should have given it a one. I should have given it a one. But uh, regardless, uh, but this one, I was like, I don't even know where to begin. Yeah. And then the I thought about it. I'm like, well, maybe a two and a half, maybe a three. And then I did some research about it. And I got to thinking about it. And then talking to you guys and, and David. Because we've seen it before. You guys have seen it before. And so you I, needed to hear some things. Well, I needed to hear. I, there was a movie. Uh, you guys have seen True Romance. Um, there's a moment in that movie where Christian Slater's character says to Patricia Arquette's character. He's like, after you watch a good movie, I always like to get pie. 
And she's like, why? And he's like, because I want to sit down and talk about a movie <laughs> while eating pie. That's a good scene. And it's like, yeah, when you see a good movie, you want to talk about it. Right. And when I see some of these movies that we watch, you, I can't talk about it with you right. guys. Yeah. Because we have to record a podcast and we can't talk about it pre... We can't have yeah. predetermined conversations because we want to make it as real it's as possible. It's got to be organic. And, and, and here's the thing. I think after you saw it, I think you knew it was a good movie. I just needed, just needed to know why. You needed to understand why. <laughs> exactly. And, that, and that's valid. That it makes is. Sense. Because like I liked it, do you but think I didn't it, know why I liked it. But then I thought there was things that I was like. Do you think now there's a little more clarity? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I, I really want to watch it again. But but people need to watch I it really, with the mindset of, of yeah, 2019. I really want to give it a five. But I, <laughs> well, I just, you're going to give it a four can't. and a half. I give it a four and a half. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late. Um, but it's great. All right. So the next film from Cronenberg that we're going to discuss is The Fly. This was 1986? Yes, sir. Yes, that's correct. This stars uh, Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. Right. And um, really, they're, well, there's a third actor. John, John Getz. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> who plays like the editor of the magazine. He's, he's an important role. He is an important role. Yes. And the only one to return in Fly 2. Right. Anyway. Yep. Um, but anyway, uh, so there's really only three characters in this movie. Um, and that's uh, those three. The main and, and the story's a little more narrow. Yeah, it most definitely. So we could probably go through this really quickly. This right. is a remake. Now, the original Fly, I looked this up. I've never seen it. But I looked it up because I was like, is the original Fly about somebody uh, going, I'm going to transport my body from one place to another? And it is. Um, it is about that. Okay. Um, a but teleportation guy, Yeah, thing? teleportation thing. And the guy does get mixed up with a Fly. But he gets a fly's head and a fly's arm. And then the end where it's like, help me, help me. It's um, a fly with his head, <laughs> his head and right? his arm. Okay. Um, and then they throw a rock on him and kill him. Oh, <laughs> Vincent Price, no. Yeah, Vincent Price. And another guy do that. Pretty gruesome. Yeah, pretty pretty gruesome. Um, never seen the original fly. I haven't either. Um, but uh, I've seen this movie. And I hadn't seen this movie in years. And I watched it uh, again uh, within the last week or so. And um, so we start off, uh, one thing that I'll say, well, okay, let's just go through the summary real quick. A guy is a scientist and he meets Gina Davis, who's a This reporter. movie gets right to the fucking point. Sure. Like, this movie wastes no time. It sure. is no time it whatsoever. Is sure. They're at a press event. She's a journalist. He's a scientist. And they he meet. says, you want to see something cool? And she's like, sure. So he takes her back to his lab. I'm going to run through the plot of this real right, quick. Right, right, okay? right. Because right. then I want to talk about this. I want to talk about it. Runs through, um, he, he says, you want to see something cool? She says, yes. Takes her back to his lab, which is his loft apartment. Yeah, it's like a bad part of town. Uh, it's pretty awesome, though. I always love in movies where they have those uh, freight elevators. The elevator, yeah. Oh, right. Kind of an industrial area. I would area. love to have an apartment. That'd be red. Like yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. We need, yeah. the Swearwolf Studio yes. needs to be that They one. just don't build them like that anymore. Well, I'm sure if we had the money, <laughs> we could build that. In if there's any slumlords in Phoenix uh, yeah. that, that have a cool lofty kind of uh, industrial with the, with area, one of those like freight elevators that have the wood that you have to pull and oh, you hell yeah. get out and set up shop in there. I mean, put oh some, yeah, put some rugs on the floor, put some pinball uh, damp, machines in there, in the echo. So uh, he takes her back to his apartment, yeah, and he's like, uh, "I got this thing, and this is." Uh, and she's, she's like, like, "It's not your penis, is it?" Yeah. He's like, oh gosh, no, no, well, no. Well, he's no, like, no. "I have that." I yeah, yeah, but. 
this other thing. And she's like, what is a microwave oven? And it's these two pods. Yeah. Um, really cool looking pods. Yeah. And he operates them for a higher group or, you know, he works for another company or something like that. No, he's he's like a freelancer. He's, he's independent. A he's a freelancer. But he gets everybody and he even describes He gets funding. This. But he says, I'm not a very good scientist, to be honest. I have an idea of like what I want. And I yeah. kind of reach out to different people. I'm like, I want a little of this. And that's that. basically what yeah. he does. Send me is stuff. He's, mm-hmm. he's financed. And he kind of Frankensteins it all right. together. Right. Well, he's also Area 51-ish because he's like, I get this guy to do this and this guy to do this. They don't know what they're ultimately doing. They just build these components for me and I put it together. Right. And so it's like... It's like what the government does is they, uh, it's, um, they freelance people. They split up everybody. Yeah. So nobody knows what the ultimate end goal is. Right. But regardless, this guy does this thing. This gal does this thing. And so he takes, he goes, give me your stocking. Yeah. Takes her stocking. <laughs> he seduces her. He plays a little piano for her, too. He's like, oh, it tickles the ivories. Yeah, he does tickle the ivories. He plays piano in real life. I know. That was yeah, him. He's a pretty good jazz musician. No, he was really yeah. good. He's he's definitely got the hands for it. Like, you look mm-hmm. at Jeff Goldblum, and he's like, what, 6'5"? Yeah, you like met that. him. He's, he's a big yeah. guy. He was sitting, I think, when I met him. But yeah, yeah, he's a big guy. You met him and talked to him for all of, what, two, three seconds? It was seconds? a very brief uh, interaction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he didn't play but, any, like, but, Bach for you. But he was nice. He was nice. Uh, so um, it's established that he can teleport inanimate objects. So he takes her stocking and he teleports it right. from one place to the other. And, and, she's he crea- like, and he created this because he himself suffers from motion sickness. He's like, I want to revolutionize the way we travel. Yeah. Right, like that'll right. become a thing of the past. Like yep. now, like one second you'll be here and next second you'll be over yeah. there. Yep. So um, ultimately she's like, well, that's cool, but I don't know if I necessarily believe you mm-hmm. this, that, and the other thing. But she thinks there's a story there, and so she starts. Um, he says to her, like, look, she records it. Other conversation. He goes, I don't want this public. But ultimately, he comes to her and he says, Look, okay, that's fine that you want to record this, but let's do it right, yeah. and let's do yeah, it on my public, time. Don't frame. publish yet. Wait till we actually have this because done. because, like Alan said, he can only transport, teleport inanimate objects. Yeah, he wants to do organic. Objects. So they try it with a baboon. They try it with a baboon. The baboon comes out and it's fucking toast. It's this d- thing is fucked <laughs> up. Oh, that dude. poor ape. I felt dude. bad. And it's still alive too. Yeah. And, and the way the way he um, the way he described it is like it turned the baboon inside, inside out. Inside out. Yeah. It so, so it doesn't it doesn't understand the computer doesn't understand the flesh. Yeah. And even says like it's my fault. The computer's dumb and it only knows what you tell it. I, yeah. I'm not telling it the right things. Yep. So. Um, him and Gina Davis start getting closer and they fuck. <laughs> and after post coitus, they're like hanging out. By the way, he does like a, a like a fucking uh, what is it like a Z eighty chip? Like uh, oh yeah yeah, it's like, stuck like in his back. Stuck. It's on the yeah. Couch. Like she stabs him in the back and she pulls what are, it out. What are those chips called uh, with the legs? Something on? like that. Yeah. Well, That's, like Z eighty is on like a. I'm thinking fucking, like centipede. Yeah. 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 Our listeners aren't going to know this. <laughs> yeah. It's an arcade. Uh, it has, thing. The, the chips have legs on them. They have like they have like uh, twelve on each side. Sure. Yeah. And they're like these pointy legs, and you put them in a um, a socket. Yeah, a socket. like in a circuit board. Yeah. And on a circuit board, so it gets stuck to him. And so it gets stuck to him, and he's cut. Okay. So she pulls it out of him. He's like, "Oh, that sucks." Oh, I'm Jeff Goldblum. Um, but uh, <laughs> ow, I'm Jeff Goldblum. I uh, oh, kind of uh, all my. Uh, um, I have a halting uh, way uh, of yeah. uh, speaking. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, so she takes it out, but then she's talking to him, and all of a sudden, like a, any scientist does in a movie, they hear one word that she says, and he's like, "Fuck, that's, that's it. it!" And he gets up and he Eureka! Like, and he like cooks these steaks. And, or he like uh, tr- t- cooks these steaks and he teleports them. One of them he teleports, one of them he doesn't. He says, eat this one. Yeah. 
And she eats one, she's like, it's a fucking steak. It needs more seasoning, but it's, it's a delicious. fucking steak. And then she eats another one, she's like, oh, this tastes like ass. And he's Something's like, wrong. that's she it. She describes it as being too synthetic. Exactly. And he determines that the teleporter can't recognize the organic material so it tries to synthesize it right and it's not doing it right so he just has to program the computer to read it differently yeah so he's like that's what i'm gonna do and she's like fine i'm gonna eat the steak and so he fucking programs it <laughs> gets a baboon puts the baboon in there teleports it and it works the baboon comes out and he's like i'm sorry what i did to your yeah. brother <laughs> sorry dude <clears throat> um but Meanwhile, Gina Davis gets a phone call from this fucking editor guy, and uh, Jeff Goldblum's like, where the fuck are you going? And he realizes that she's going back to see this editor guy, who she had a fling with in the past, and he's kind of a fucking douchebag. But he gets all jealous, and he wants to celebrate this fucking... Yeah, they're about to order Chinese food and have champagne, and she's like, oh, I gotta take off. Yeah, And And the reason why she's gotta take off is because the... the, He's like blackmailing her. The editor guy's like, I'm gonna publish this story with or without you. And she's like, I gotta gotta stop it. So she's trying to save Jeff Goldblum. Meanwhile, he thinks she's fucking this editor guy, and she's just using him. So he gets drunk, and he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna teleport myself. I'll put myself through here. Yeah. So he gets in the teleportation device programs it and he goes bad move human (laughs) but what he doesn't realize is that there was a fly inside the teleportation device um the reason why i brought up the z80 chip in the back is because that becomes important because that's how like the that's how i got that the fly kind of gets in with him or at least that's how it's shown because he grows these fibers out of that uh, cut that he got on the Mm -hmm. back yeah he's like fly like hair like fibers crazy um, but he goes from one to the other and he's fine. He and comes out like, and he's like, Woo, and I yeah. feel great. He like is like high on life, and now Gina Davis comes back and he's like, I did it without you. And she's like, Oh, why'd you do that? Yeah. He's like, And he can't tell her, like, I was jealous. Like he yeah. feels a little bad about they, it. Yeah, uh, they reconcile. Yeah, she tells him, like, nothing's going on with yeah. this dude. I actually went over there to end it. Yeah, and he's like, All right, cool. And then he like tells her like he feels the best he's ever felt. Yeah. He starts to exhibit like strength, stanima. He's doing some gymnastics routines, yeah. oh. like he's got the uneven bars going on. Yeah. yeah, he's got a he's got a big sugar craving too. He's rocking the pommel horse, yeah. like just doing all sorts of shit. So Ronnie no, notices Gina Davis's character. Ronnie notices a change, and she gets a little concerned because his his sanity starts to go a little bit. He's, well, he's getting, going a mile a minute. Like they're having lunch or something. Yeah. He's oh. he's point, piling then, on all this sugar on his coffee, and he's be, just yeah. and everything he's saying, he's like talking, he's moving his hands, and like right. he's like really really excited. And he's becoming more strange, and you start to notice even in these early scenes, you start to notice. He looks different too. Physically, his face got, is changing. He's got like he's some got lesions and like, like acne. Yeah, his face just looks yeah. kind of gross. The other thing is, is they fuck for like hours. And yeah, she's like, I can't go on. He's anymore. just insatiable. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like me. Like my wife's <laughs> just like, come on, <laughs> stop enough. already. I'm just gonna pretend to go to sleep <laughs> yeah. at this point. So stallion, he gets, he gets to the point where he becomes. <laughs> she calls me. How'd you know? Stallion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He becomes. He <laughs> she comment. Did she comment on your facial lesions? What are you saying? I don't have any fucking social media. <laughs> Fuck you. So he's starting to become very arrogant and violent, and he insists that the teleportation process 
is beneficial. And that's and, what made him yeah. superhuman. Only when says, you're destroyed and like made whole again, yeah. like can you really like realize your full potential? And so he, he wants her to go through it. Yeah, he's, he's like, trying no, to push her to do it. She refuses. She even and, tells him like, you're different. Something happened. Yeah. Something went wrong. And he gets pissed. So he looks for someone else. He goes to the bar and, and he challenges somebody to arm wrestling match. And oh, he snaps their so wrist. Awesome. So yeah, he goes to this bar and he meets this like chick at the bar and he's like, uh, I want to take you home. She's like, well, I'm with Joe Bob. And he's like, I'll tell you what, Joe Bob, I'll beat you in arm wrestling. And meanwhile, okay, we got, um, uh, <laughs> you know, Jeff Goldblum is is a tall guy, but he's skinny. But he's, he's yeah, a, yeah, like, yeah. He's, he's very lean. Yeah. yeah. And this guy that he's arm wrestling is like a big dude. He's a little more lumberjack. like Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you beat me. You can have her or whatever. And she's like, what if I don't want to be wanted? But meanwhile, she doesn't give a fuck. And he's like, it ain't going to happen anyway. Yeah. So they're arm wrestling and he just breaks, breaks his arm. And, and the reason why I'm stopping here and not glossing over it is because this scene was like a scene that stuck with me yeah. from a child. When yeah, I me saw too. This movie. Yep. Um, so he snaps this guy's arm and then he just grabs this girl and he goes and they go back to his house and they fuck. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, get in here. And she's like, I don't want to get in here. Yeah, he, he puts himself through it again and he yep. shows her. He's, he's like, like, check this out. Nothing's fine. Boom. Nothing, nothing's you go gonna happen. She's like, nah, I ain't doing that. And then he's like, yeah, you can get the fuck out of here. And he kicks her out. Well, Gina Davis comes back. Yes, that's right. And he sees them together and he's, and she's kind of upset. She's leaving. And that's when she's like, yeah, she's like, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Be very afraid. The hooker's like, I'm out of here. And Gina Davis is like, what's wrong with you? And everything's changing with you. And, you know, you're, and he's really deteriorating. Yeah. And he gets, man, he even punches a wall and like just chunks of the wall fly out. Like he's got, he's very strong. Superhuman. He can also demonstrate a, uh, a method of vomiting digestive enzymes onto his food, and it dissolves, and then he sucks it back up. So well, that's not yet. He's not quite. She comes back that's, later yeah. on, oh. and then because she like, leaves, and, he, and he's kind of looking in the mirror at himself, kind of reflecting on what she just said, and he notices yeah. like I do look kind of rough, and, and like, like a and tooth looks, falls out, tooth falls out, his yeah, fin- his, all, fin- his fingernails yeah. are coming off. Oh, like, that's no, the yeah, first, that's the first. No, thing. this is all within the same time pretty, of the movie. Pretty yeah, quick. yeah, but I want to touch on this though, Alan, because. The fingernail scene is another scene that is... um, It's gruesome. He's looking at himself in the mirror and he notices... He does something and his fingernail comes up and he rips his fingernail off. And I don't know about you guys, but when I saw this, I was just cringy. It was gross. And he even looks and even says at the time, he goes, oh my God, what's happening? Am am, am I dying? So like like weeks go by and then finally he calls Gina Davis. Yeah. And he's like, I need you to come over. Well, even before then, he checks the computer and this is when he... Right. This is where he learns. He actually finds out what happened. This is where he learns what happened. So what happened was is the fly in him fused rather than the book being transported didn't know what to do because there were two things in there so it just combined their dna right right, and transported them into one and now the fly is slowly taking over yeah so he calls gina davis and she comes over and he is now fucked up looking yeah and uh He's like, it's still not over. And he tells her too. He tells her what happened. Yeah. And she's like, what the fuck? We can help you. And he's like, I don't know what happens. He's like, I just need you to record this. And this is where he vomits on something. Yeah. Picks on some donuts it. or something. Yeah. Right? So man, it just, it really picks up. Yep. And then, um, she like, yeah. And he even says like my teleporter turned into a gene splicer. Yep. Yeah. A really good one. <laughs> but he has, he has a plan. It's not all doom and gloom. He has a plan to install a fusion program mm-hmm. into the computer to dilute the fly genes and well he uh, needs another human. Right. So he can infuse with the human 
basically killing the, that other human and making him back to being who he was. Right. Or at least a version of himself. A version of himself. And I think it's by this movie, or by this point in the movie, she learns that she's pregnant. Yeah, and she also tells, uh, what's his name, Stathis, the other yeah, guy? She yeah. tells him what's going on. And Stathis is like, uh, okay. So they go see a guy. And she's like, uh, I need an abortion. He's like, all right, I guess. And um, just then Jeff Goldblum bursts through the window and he steals her away. Right. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very. Um, it was like an old monster movie. Yes. Very universal yeah, monster was. movie. Yeah, and that's that's going to come up later in my review. But um, he steals her away, takes her back to his place. She had that dream, too. He's like crawling on the wall. Yeah. She had a dream. She oh, that dream's birth fucked. Oh, dream's fucked. Like a larva. And yeah, uh, dude. Uh, David Cronenberg plays the doctor. In yeah, that he scene. does. Yeah. It was so fucking Cronenberg. It was so gross. Dude. That was gross. Dude, the um, yeah, little larva comes out and it's kind of gyrating. Yeah. Oh like, man, like a little grub. So um, he takes her back. Stathis is following behind, like he's gonna go rescue her. He knows he's smart. He knows some shit is up. He is. He's still a douche, but he knows some shit is up. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Jeff Goldblum says to Gina Davis, he's like, "Look, this is what we're gonna do. You're pregnant. I'm the father. You're the mother. We're gonna go through this." gene thing together we can all be together and we can be one big happy family it's so fucked like up. the ultimate family because mm-hmm. we'll all be one person one. we'll be three people in one yeah and she's like you're fucking insane and Dude. i'm not gonna do this but he locks her in a pod and he goes to go in the other pod but st- now there's three pods Stathis, yeah, because yeah, one be was a, the one there was one, one early in the beginning of the it movie, was a prototype but, but yeah and he said like that one doesn't work very well so Stathis comes in and he's gonna use the gun, but Jeff Goldblum. Grabs Do you find it a little gun. weird that like he assembles the shotgun once he's in the like? Uh, whatever. Like, yeah. I would have put that together in the car, whatever, or something. Yeah. Uh, but Goldblum grabs the gun and he like pukes on the guy's hand, and his hand just melts like, away. Melts. Oh. Yeah. And then Stathis is gonna grab it with like his ankle. He's like, oh, I'm gonna pull it forward. I'll barf on your leg too. And then he barfs bitch. on his ankle, and it just disintegrates his ankle. And I think like the next scene, like he goes full on fly. Oh, Gina Davis grabs his jaw. Right. Oh, it tears it off. It tears it right off. And he splits. And then he goes full on fly. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So now he's full on fly. Gina Davis is in a pod. Stathis has got his arm and leg melted off. Um, Goldblum goes into the other pod. They're going to come out in the third pod as one person. Yeah. She traps Ronnie inside the other one. Stathis is like, fuck this. He finally gets the gun. He's and he's fucked up too. Yep. And he blows. He uh, shoots the, he shoots the pod that uh, Gina, uh, Gina Davis is in disconnecting it from the other ones. Right. Goldblum goes nuts, breaks the window out and is like, fuck you. And he's going to like kill everybody. But they, the, the, the timer runs out. The timer and he runs only gets out. about halfway out of the pod before the timer goes so off. So he fuses with the and, pod, well, the be, pod, well, the because, assembly. Well, because the one that Veronica was in is now empty, so the computer doesn't know what to do. It's like, yeah. well, I'll just fuse you with the pod, I guess. No, but it was the fact that the one that uh, the Brundlefly was in, Goldblum's yeah, character, Brundlefly. was in... He broke the window yep. so that he was half out and half yeah. in. He was so half in and half engulfed out. the whole thing. Yeah, so, it's yeah. Like, so so the inside oh, effect yeah, yeah, yeah. made its way out and it captured part of the pod because when that scene happened, 
you can see part of the pod cut away. Yep. Yeah. And so, so whole, part of that pod fused with him into the other pod. Yeah, Alan's yeah, right. You're right. You're right. It wasn't Gina Davis's. It was his yeah, own. Yeah, you're right. Because hers was disconnected. So it. Right. So it was basically just like what happened at the beginning yeah. with the fly. Exactly. Yeah. So the result only came from his pod, and it went to the third pod, and it was a combination of him, him and, and the, the pod. fly and the and pod, the, and it was fucked. So it was Brundle Pod Fly. Yeah, it was. Dude, and he gets was, out, and he's got pieces of pod sticking oh, out of his metal. body. It and he can't fucked. even walk. He's just crawling. crawling. It's really sad. And Gina Davis has the gun, and she's like crying because she doesn't want to. Yeah. Do, she loves this man. Yeah. And he he grabs she points with the, whatever. Well, she points the gun at him, and then, and then she, she lowers it. Like I can't, I can't do this. And then with whatever fucking digit that he has, he grabs the barrel of the gun. He doesn't put his finger in it, so it blows up. <laughs> but he grabs it. Right. And he puts it at his face, basically saying, "So sad, kill me." Yeah. And she's like, "I can't, I can't." Uh, but she does. But she can, yeah. <laughs> and she does. Oh yeah. And that's it. Come on, how could you not? Fuck. Yeah, and that's the end. Fuck, man. I honestly. <laughs> I'd Who wants to go first? <laughs> Honestly, I'd, I'd I'd pull the trigger. I'm like, fuck this. Like, it didn't matter who it was. It's an abomination. Like, it didn't matter if it was if it was my worst enemy. Like, I'd be like, man, you can't live like oh, this. Put you out of your misery. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I would have no reserve whatsoever. All right, who wants to go first with their? Uh... Uh, I'll go. You want to um, go? Yeah. So this this was a movie. There's not a lot of movies out there that have such a lasting impression as far as like shock or just discomfort or just like wow man that's really disturbing and it's not even the goriest movie i've seen it's not over the top but it's very direct and it's very um these effects there were nothing like them at this time i don't think Mm -hmm. um what did we say 86 80 yeah yeah 86 yeah i mean i mean there were there were effects up to up to this point that were really great but won an oscar it won an effects, Oscar. By the way. This yep. this one just took it to another level, and it and it it at the same time it didn't come across to me as over the top, but man, it really had an effect on me. I was like, wow, and it, I still think about these effects to this day and how disturbing these scenes are. Mm-hmm. Not just because of the gory uh, effects of of uh, what they did, the tricks yeah. and that sort of thing, but the situation itself. This guy wasn't who he was anymore, and he was turning to something else. He's just this slow death, and you're just watching it the whole time. It's like, fuck, like, what's going to happen next? And mm-hmm. it's like, holy shit. And it's a slow burn, but it has such an impact. Um, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of gripes with this, with this film. Uh, of course, Jeff Goldblum was a fantastic lead. I thought Gina Davis was just okay. I thought her character was just okay. I thought it could have been a little bit better. But it's a tragic love story at its core, um, which I'm not really big on those. It, obviously, at the end, it was a little bit of a downer. I'm not big on that either. But uh, aside from that, I give it a four. It it sticks with me. And it's not my favorite. It's not my favorite story. Um. And I, I wish Cronenberg had done some things a little bit different, but I love this movie. And uh, it's not something that I watch all the time because it's one of those movies that you can watch it every few years and it'll last you. You don't need to keep watching it because it sticks with you. Yeah. So it's not something that you need to keep going back to, back to because it stays with you. And it stayed with me ever since I've seen it uh, when I was a kid. And this is maybe like the third third or fourth time I've seen it 
since you know the early 90s mm-hmm. and uh it it's a it's a classic for a reason. So it's, four, it four, stays with you. Four from you. Yeah. Do you want me to go or do you want to go? Uh, whatever. <laughs> go ahead. Um, okay, I'll go. Uh, Jeff Goldblum is awesome. This movie to me is a throwback to Universal Monster movies. Monster movies from the 40s, 50s, uh, even in the 60s. This, uh, the score was very subtle in the beginning. And uh, you said it was Howard Shore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when the music does start, it's very Frankenstein, very Dracula inspired. Um, there's the bam bam da da. You know, the that, opening titles are really cool. Oh. And there's a not to get in front yeah. of you, but like yeah, uh, go ahead. I don't, for Hitchcock fans, like the beginning of the movie almost reminded me of like um, most of Hitchcock's movies use a guy named Saul Bass who did the opening titles. Mm-hmm. And even the title screens. Have a very kind of old school throwback feel. Yeah. It made me feel like I was watching an old Hitchcock movie. Mm. Uh, very, yeah, that's a good point. Um, but the movie in itself, to me, is a monster movie. Uh, we talked about Frankenstein and Wolfman not that long ago, and about how they're reluctant monsters. Like they're not the villains. The villains are the people. Like Jeff Goldblum's not the villain uh, in this. I mean, he ultimately. I guess is a monster, but he wasn't intending to be a monster. He didn't have nefarious, uh, reasons for what he did. Like he was doing what he wanted to do to help humankind. And he just was the product of something bad that happened, um, through just being drunk. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, basically (laughs) don't do drugs. Um, but, uh, so there was that love story, like you mentioned, between him and Gina Davis, who I really think Gina Davis did great in this. I loved her role. Um, I love Jeff Goldblum's acting. Um, mm-hmm. You can see him transition from this really intelligent uh, scientist uh, to this intelligent scientist who is also being possessed by this weird, freaky, like uh, fly gene. It wasn't. It wasn't himself. No, his eyes dart back and forth and that. Uh, like I said, the music, the cinematography, I think was great. Uh, the special effects, probably some of the best practical special effects I've seen in a fucking film. Um, the story, I think, as simple as it is, man transports from one place to another, merges with Fly, becomes Fly, um, you know, becomes a bad guy. Uh, that is such a great script. Mm. Um, I... This might surprise you guys. I'm going to give this a five. Mm. This is one of the best films I've ever seen. Okay, cool. Um, I love this fucking movie. Yeah. I. It's not my favorite. I've only given a five to another yeah. movie, and that was Alien. Yeah. And Alien, I think, deserves it as well. But this one fucking deserves it. Sure. I love this fucking film. Yeah. Not my favorite Cronenberg, but it's awesome. Uh, I love this movie as well. Um, I've seen it quite a few times. Um, You know, you guys kind of touched on a lot of things that that resonate with me on this movie. But um, everything from the music to the way the opening title is done, Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, all the performances are great. The the makeup, the special effects. I love the simplicity of, uh, and again, going kind of back to like a Hitchcock formula, like most of this movie takes place in one like there's only a couple settings you know what yeah. i'm sorry no. to interrupt look at rear window oh yeah the whole movie basically takes place in one room and there's three characters or sure. like have you ever seen and rope sure uh no i haven't rope is similar like it almost feels like a play 
Yeah. So rear window is like three characters or maybe four. Yeah. Um, and it's one location or two locations. Yeah. This movie is three characters, maybe four if you include the doctor and maybe the extras. Yeah. Uh, and a, yeah. Uh, a few, dream sequence. A few peripheral people. One or two locations. Sure. It's so simple. Yeah. It's amazing how you can do so much with, with so, so little. little. And again, right. going Go back ahead. to like simple themes, to me, this movie at its core is about jealousy and arrogance and and it's the the fault of both characters so like jeff goldblum's character and the john getz character stathis both have jealousy issues and issues of of uh, intellectual arrogance that hurts them both in both ways Mm. did you get the universal monster vibe from it? oh definitely yeah did you too i'm sorry i didn't yeah a little bit i mean uh i i saw past it a little more um i i saw it's hard to explain. It wasn't so much that he was a monster. It was, I think the highlight of the entire film was the transformation, not so much the monster, but the transformation, the the transformation of the character, the character was, and you know, like you watch Frankenstein, the monster's, the monster. Yeah, the monster is a monster. You watch Wolfman. Wolfman's a monster. You obviously you have a monster in this film, a creature, but it wasn't the creature that was the center of the film. It's called the fly and everything. It was of the course. transition. It was the transition that was central to the film. Okay. Yeah, and I love watching that transition of both male characters. You watch Jeff Goldblum, a great person who trans transforms into a villain basically mm-hmm. and the quote-unquote villain of the movie eventually becomes the hero at the end of the movie and i right. love that and then you got gina davis who's kind of the one constant character who's always kind of on an even keel right i think it's a really really smart movie it's cool i've, I've watched it many times um it's a four for me four. I, I think it's a great movie yeah so that's a 4.33 so four overall. four and five yeah and and something I, else to note I can can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I just say something? Like, um, and I'm not trying to sway you guys. You guys give it a four. That's fine by me. I give it a five. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, I really think it's a perfect film. Um, talking about the the monster aspect of it, you know, we talked about uh, who's it? Claude Rains. Yeah. Uh, no, not Claude Rains. Oh, um, uh, um, Lon Chaney. No, Clive. Um, Clive. Uh, Clive, Owen. No, no. Clive Owen. No, <laughs> Clive Owen. Calling Clive. Oh. <laughs> we were gonna get there eventually. Avenger, uh, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Um, no, uh, Colin Clive as the mad scientist in Frankenstein. Sure, and how he's like this, like he's like the epitome. He started the mad scientist thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum takes that mm. and he makes it his own. Yeah, that's Jeff true. Goldblum is such a good actor. He's uh, he's such a naturalistic uh, yeah. thinking man. Like I'm saying, uh, because he always uh, says uh, uh but. Uh, he I'm, had a he had a great look in this film too. He had a great look. Yes, even definitely. when he was just at the beginning of the film, just the scientist look. He had the look, and he transforms not just like physically, like from himself to Brundlefly, but he transforms like characteristically, yes. mentally, mm-hmm. like sure. himself physically. Like sure. his posture becomes upright sure. when yeah, he, he becomes first someone becomes else. A fly. It was the total yeah. package. He Jeff Go I. I don't know what 1986 brought us as far as films, but I mean, he should have been nominated for best actor in my opinion. He was very good in this movie. Like I really honestly think this put Jeff Goldblum on the map. I probably did. 
Yeah. And um, anything he's done since, I, I still like him. I, I think he's a great actor, but I sure. really think that this movie was to showcase his acting ability and no one else could play that character. Yeah, and, and while I rated both of these movies the same, so I gave Videodrome 4, Fly the Floor uh, uh, 4, um, I would say Push Comes to Shove, I do like the fly better. Mm. I, I actually like Videodrome better. Uh, I think there's more going on with it. But what's great about both of these films, and obviously they're both Cronenberg films, but uh, these are two examples of Cronenberg films that are also uh, arguably his best examples of body... Body horror. Body horror. Body Well, definitely Videodrome. Yeah. And and I will say this, Cronenberg values good visual effects and good visuals Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. in general. Um, Yeah. You know... I will give it to Videodrome. The visual effects in that were awesome. Sure. Uh, the Fly, I think, had more budget. Yeah. Um, yeah. Had more time. Yeah, sure. He wasn't. He didn't have to make it for a bunch of dentists. They were, three, they were, <laughs> they were three years apart. They were three years apart, so maybe we advanced. But they yeah. were all practical effects. And and were, we talk about this all the time. Yeah. Right. You, Alan and David and I talk about this all the time. But I know, Alan, you value visual of, or practical effects more than anybody I've ever known. Uh, besides myself and i love when somebody can make right. something that's real yes, that's tangible sure. yep i don't give a fuck i don't I even mean, care if it doesn't even look great like i'd take that over computer CGI, stuff any day of course and i love when they do it right yeah and this movie did it right, right. yeah both of these yeah, movies. And the makeup's amazing. And the makeup did win an Oscar. Yeah, right? it yeah, did. It and amazing. I think yeah. The Fly was nominated for other Oscars. Howard Shore might have been nominated. I don't I'm know. Sure. Were they doing uh, Best Music back then? He, I don't know. Fucking 80s. I think it only, yeah, it only got one award. Or yeah, one, one Academy the, Award. But it yeah. got other awards, too. Fuck them. <laughs> Academy, you can kiss my ass. Jeff Goldblum wins Best <laughs> Actor. The Fly wins Best Film. What? Okay, let's look this up real quick while I'm talking. What won uh, the Academy Award for Best Film and Best Actor? in 1986 uh well they're looking this up because i don't have a computer in front of me (laughs) if you want to uh contact us and let us know what you want to know about or what you thought your thoughts are on david cronenberg's films whether it be videodrome or the fly um you can contact us at a myriad of ways how can you contact us um you can go to our website which is theswearwolves.com you can also email us at swearwolvespodcast at gmail.com on social media uh, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook. We're the Swearwolves on both of those. Uh, you can go to Instagram, where we are the Swearwolves podcast, or find us on YouTube, where we're the Swearwolves. Yep. Uh, did you have one last thing to say? Yeah, so you brought up awards and um, something that... It, this The Fly was very critically acclaimed, and uh, the critic Gene Siskel, um, he, he believes Jeff Goldblum got shafted out of a Academy Award nomination because, you know, the older members of the Academy don't look too fondly on horror movies. No, they so don't. It, but it's really unfortunate because it was such a great performance. But it did win a number of Saturn Awards, uh, Hugo Award for uh, Best Drama, um, obviously Academy Award for Best Makeup. So it did get some recognition for um, sure. The first, the the. The, the most famous horror movie that I can remember winning like all Academy Awards was Silence, Silence of the, the Lambs. Lambs right? And that, that was 1990? Maybe 91, so 91. the awards would have been probably 92. 91, yeah. 92, yeah. So that wasn't until five, six years later. 
this movie should have done it. What, what so did- for 1980, uh, so I looked up the 1987 Academy Awards, which I'd imagine would encompass all of 1986. Uh, best picture actually went to Platoon. And uh, best actor was Paul Newman in The Color of Money. Oh. As Fast Eddie. Listen. He yeah. was good in that movie. You know what? He was good in that movie, but Jeff Goldblum was far better. And <laughs> the only reason they gave Paul Newman that best it's, actor. It's Paul Newman. Because it's Paul Newman. It's Paul and Newman. he was reprising the role from The, the Hustler. Hustler. The Hustler. And that's a bunch of fucking bullshit. You know who else? You know Platoon was a good movie. You know what? I do like Color of Money, though. But Color of Money yeah. is a good movie. I'm not. Did, 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 Platoon no, was yeah. a good movie, but The Fly is a better movie than Another fucking person who was nominated that year was uh, James Woods for Salvage. The door. Fuck James Woods. <laughs> Dave, Dave, who who were the other nominees for that category? For best actor? Yeah. So you had Paul Newman, Dexter Gordon in Round Midnight, Bob Hoskins and Mona Lisa, William Hurt in Children of a Lesser God, That's, and James Woods in Salvador. Okay, I gotta say that I love Jeff Goldblum, but those are some fucking names. But I Brett, I agree with you. He should have been at least He's nominated. He should have at least yeah. been nominated. But let if me tell Bob you Bob Hoskins was nominated. No, 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 no. It's Eddie Valiant. No, no, no. Fuck Bo- you. No, no. Brett. <laughs> Brett, no the the movie the movie that Dave mentioned Mona Lisa is a great movie and Bob Hoskins deserved that nomination. Uh, that's fine. Yeah, no. but Jeff Goldblum he should have been nominated too. Has Jeff Goldblum ever been nominated? Probably not. What other fucking but, films? But Will, I, I doubt it. William Hurt, uh, yeah, William Hurt's Def, a great actor. William Hurt, Jeff Goldblum. Listen, Jeff Goldblum is one of the best. No, actors. I know. I I agree with you. No, I agree with you. I'm just saying those are good names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are good names. Bob, yeah that that film Mona Lisa is fantastic. All right, but uh, but no, I agree. Jeff Goldblum should have at least at least been nominated. been nominated. Probably should have won know. over Paul Newman. Um, but that's my opinion. If you got a different opinion, David already told you where you can contact us at. So <laughs> fuck all of you. <laughs> he's, like, he's so butter. <laughs> no, I love the film. He was great. He no, was great. Yeah. I mean, you guys gave it a four, which, like I said, is, he was a, great. Great, is a great rating. Yeah. So 4.3, uh, I think, is what it averaged out to be. Uh, you know, I can't do math right now. <laughs> uh, David did it earlier. I did. It was 4.33. Uh, well, three, I'll, three. I'll go along with whatever you guys say. <laughs> so for the Swearwolves this week, I'm Brett. I'm David. I'm Alan. Help me. Help, Help me. me. Help me. Do one for the fly. Intro to this one. And this was your choice, so you have to do that intro. Uh huh. I can't think of it. Bitch. I'm going to pause it real quick. You bitch. You ready for your intro? Go. You ready for your close up? It's stupid. I mean, whatever. Go. Go. Oh, is it on? Yeah. Okay. I do want to let you all know that we are on. Fuck.